From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 144, and today I'm joined by actor Tony Napo. This guy is in everything. He literally has 155 credits on IMDb, probably more by the time this airs. He's been on Frankie Drake Mysteries, Ransom, Northern Rescue, Killjoys. Um, He was in the Netflix Christmas movie last year called The Christmas Chronicles. He was in my film, The Go-Getters, and he's in the upcoming Sean Sesterner film, From the Vine as well as Cody Crane, who I know from the Spooked podcast, which I did an episode of, so check that out on iTunes. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch The Fisher King. I'm Jeremy. Uh, I have not seen this film. Tony Napo, I have not seen this film. Cody Crane, I have not seen this film. It's a pure virgin episode. Sometimes we have people that have seen it mixed in. They shouldn't be allowed in. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind because you can get like uh, a different point of view. From it, especially if somebody loves it and somebody hates it, those okay. are fun nights. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have a weird relationship with this movie because I've now owned this movie on three different formats <laughs> and not watched it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why because I like Terry Gilliam, um, I like Jeff Bridges, and I like Robin Williams. There's no reason why I shouldn't have popped this in because I bought it like when I was in in film school, used on VHS, and then I upgraded to a DVD. And then Criterion put it out, and so I picked up the Blu-ray, and I'm like, fuck it, I have to at least try to do it on the podcast. I'm like, that will make me do it. <laughs> then you have to do but it, But it was yeah. also one of those things that I put off watching it for probably 10 or 15 years, and everyone told me how great it was, that I think it was the kind of thing I'm like, if I watch this and I don't like it, I'm gonna, I don't know, there's yeah, something about it. You'll like, be a bad person. The daunting task of it was bothering me, but, yeah. not, but we're gonna do it tonight. Yeah. Well, Terry Gilliam, is he just, like, dying off? Like, what's... Uh... It, He's an interesting guy. Like, are you guys Gilliam fans? Yeah, I mean, I've seen his work, and it's it's unique and fascinating and stuff. But it's, yeah, but it's never. I don't think I'm his audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's like the Job of filmmakers, right? If something yeah. can go wrong with one of his movies, it well, does. Well, all that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the most interesting projects of his was that Don Quixote yeah. one, and it's because of the documentary that came out. Yeah, and I love that documentary. Right. Did you either of you see it? I didn't see the. Oh, it's fa- it's fascinating. It's just yeah. watching a man just like lose his mind right. over. It's it's almost like a comedy. The heart of where, darkness. It's um well because they, they Coppola's wife made that one about yeah. Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Imagine like a funny, still tragic version right, right, of right, that. Right. But then the irony is that then he ended up going back and making that movie, and it came out last year with Adam Driver. Right. Right. I haven't gone and seen it. No. no. I did. I still didn't circle back, even though I should have, because I love the documentary so much. Yeah. No, I, de- I never, like, you know, I know everybody loves Baron Manch- Manchhausen, Monchhausen, whatever his fucking name is. Um, that Brazil. One I, that I, one I had a hard time getting through. 
Brazil, the same thing. Like, there's just, there's a lot of shit going on. Like, I find it visually fascinating. Yeah. But I don't really give a fuck about it, you know? Like, I, I don't think, I think my mind just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I have heard that this is the movie that is probably the most... The most accessible. Yeah. Accessible, yeah, of his well, stuff. And then the other reason I never saw, I was never, and I know this is like saying you love Hitler, but I was never that big of a Robin Williams fan. Mm. You know? I like, like, I like some of his films. I like... Uh, more his straight films than his comedy film. I never really dug him as a comedian. Like, yeah. just not my... Again, like, I can appreciate why people like him, but it just didn't, like... Not your flavor. It just didn't hit me. So I was never... I never saw any big reason to see this film until I saw your post, and I thought, this is what we're going to bond over. And <laughs> or not. Be or not. For the rest of our lives. That's true. And how about you, Cody? Um, I was sold by Jeff Bridges. Uh, Robin Williams is a nice like bonus. I I think I'm actually on uh, Tony's side on this one too. I think I like uh, Robin Williams' dramatic work, and I've watched a lot of those, like The World's Greatest Dad, and ever, and uh, of course, like Goodwill Hunting, mm. all of those. But I uh, yeah, I never I kind of like passed his comedy. Sprint and I never kind of like went back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's so I think you're rocking the same hairdo that Jeff Bridges has in this movie too. <laughs> I think uh, you are too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, I, if I remember anything from like a poster, it's that. Yeah, thing. yeah. He's got like, kind of a soccer, Spanish soccer player haircut. I'm gonna be so excited. I'm gonna cheer <laughs> for him the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So since we all know fuck all about the movie, right? Yeah. Let's just dive in. Okay. All right. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we finished, and Tony's been asking, what did we think? Yeah, no one will fucking answer until the <laughs> microphone's on. <laughs> Bunch of babies. Uh, I liked it. Like, I think it wasn't, I don't think it was a perfect movie for me, yeah. but I really enjoyed it. I didn't find it, uh... I liked it more than I didn't like it. I mean... It, it, I mean, it feels long. It feels like hmm. there's chunks of it that are long, and then there's chunks of it that are engaging, and then there's like a couple of like com- legitimately magic moments. Yeah. It would be you, Cody. There's a, there's a lot of this movie that just pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because it's almost good in so many moments for me, where I'm like, yeah, I'm liking where this is going, and then it just does something to piss me off again. Like, what was the biggest one? Um, for some, It really bothered me throughout the mo- movie that they had David Hyde Pierce and then they had this shooter that kind of looked like him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've mixed them up a couple of times. Yeah, I thought it was him at first, yeah. and then I saw that, and I'm like, could they not get him for the rest of the movie? Okay. And then you see David Hyde Pierce at the end again, and really... I wonder if that off. wasn't intentional. Maybe. Like, Gillian's not the kind of guy that makes a mistake. Like, you're right, they're very, yeah. very close. But also, you got to think of what the agent represents. He represents, like, him at his shittiest. Right. So, you think it was intentional? I don't know. It'd be interesting to look that up. I'm sure some nerd has written something. Well, about even that. like yeah. even like Robin Williams on the date when they show the murder, kind of right. looks like the murderer. It's sure. I, I thought the murderer right. was. I, I thought is his wife having an affair? I didn't recognize that as Robin Williams at all. And then I thought, oh, is that the shooter? And I was like, no, it's not the shooter. Yeah. So when you think about it, there's three of them that all have that similar look. It's like that kind of like 
comb over. Yeah. And and and, and, and Bridges makes that comment in the opening when he's on the radio that it's like these yuppies all look the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. So it feels like that is intentional. But it feels like David Hyde Pierce's character's such a small character mm. with like nothing to it to have that. But at the time, this is ninety one. Would it right. had Frasier come on yet? It was probably coming out, probably starting up soon. I'm I'm not sure. I I thought the same thing. I'm Cheers would have still been on in ninety one, wouldn't it? Or just I wrapping so. up. Uh, so he hadn't done Frasier yet. So David Hyde Pierce was it's not just a job. Just a job. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it just felt like there wasn't a lot to that character to do like that kind of like mirror yeah, yeah. with the killer or yeah, yeah. anything like that. Um. Yeah, that really just cheesed me off for whatever reason. And then just little things, too, like the newspaper, when the person in the wheelchair is holding the newspaper <laughs> and then gets pushed out of the shot, and it's right. like them behind. I'm like, I hate this. Oh. <laughs> There's just, a lot of handheldy, weird, you know, it, it kind of looks like the Holy Grail or, or what, what's the other dragon thing they did? Jabberwocky. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Just like those, like... Like student, yeah, not his student, first student filmy shots. Yeah, almost, not his right? first Holy Grail movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, re- I, re- I watched uh, Holy. I, I've seen it before. I love I'm, the Holy Grail. I just watched it with the kids for the first time. So good. Did they, they like it? They loved it. Okay. They went off. I posted it on uh, on Instagram. I think they okay. they went and grabbed uh, two coconuts or two oh, something. I, think I saw that. And I they I did like that. the little. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. They just ran on. I was doing yeah. that for like yeah. a day or two. It was amazing. Yeah. Like, Yay, nerds! That's so good. <laughs> so fucking good. So funny. How yeah. do you, what about the like the. Uh, you know uh, the marrying of like the mythic and the modern. That's a Gilliam thing too. Like that's I know very it much. Is, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't know that I like it. Yeah, like he kind mm-hmm. of. I think what he really digs or, or kind of gravitates to in a lot of his work is that idea of this blending between like you know people and characters that are kind of living in two different worlds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, and, and I get that as storytelling, but maybe it's just maybe it's just too much of it or too long. Like maybe. Maybe if somebody was making that film now, those sequences would be yeah. shorter or something. Well, they'd be they'd be more fantastical because you have something. you have the technology to do it yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I kind of like about this. I like the homemade quality of it. Like I like sure. that that we're not just suddenly transported into like a, a magical forest. That we're still in Central Park. Yeah. Or that we're on like a street, a side street in New York, and you mm-hmm. see like the, tra- the the traffic cones yeah. and the yeah and the nicest and it looks. It. I mean, it does stand up. Visually, yeah, like it's it, like it, it's, it's a good style. It's a good yeah. looking movie. I'm curious if that. I mean, it has to if that building exists in New York. No, it can't. There's no way that castle building. Every, I, I'd be shocked if it didn't. Actually, just knowing yeah. how there's some. I mean, there's places yeah. like that in Toronto too, right? Sure, sure. It was just too. I lived in New York, yeah, so I know it a bit, a bit a lot, but. uh I don't know. I mean, I'm curious. You can look that up, but yeah, I'll look at them. yeah. IMDb will have like a film. It's just too castly, right in the, and also it's like right in the middle of. But that's why it makes me think yeah. that it's like the Richard. Uh, I'm gonna say his last name wrong. Larry Gravis, the writer. Yeah. It makes me think that it's like if he's from New York. He's walking by this building every day. And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. I want to sure. write some. It, it, it's it's one of those if buildings. If it would be anywhere, it would be New York. Yeah, it's one of those buildings that's weird enough that you can believe someone like with money just went, "Fuck it, I want to yeah, build I want a castle. I want a castle in the middle of the city." <laughs> yeah. I would believe that. Yeah, like, that's kind of like the story of Castleoma, right? Yeah, sure. some dude just wanted to buy his wife a castle, right? And they lived here now. 
So they built fucking Castelloma. Yep. I think that's like the, the nutshell story of Castelloma. <laughs> There's more to it. <clears throat> it. It felt like he just didn't... Like he wanted this movie to be everything. Yeah, yeah. Like it had this Home Alone score and all that point. The score I hate it. Yeah. But I think that's like the period. The score, the yeah. way it was shot. Well, yeah, Home Alone was the, the year later, 92, right, I think? It maybe yeah. something I around think, there. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. But it, the way it was shot, the score and the script were all completely different movies. <laughs> and they didn't feel like they were together to me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's Terry Gilliam's one of those guys. He's thing. he's definitely got like He's definitely playing with styles. They don't necessarily mm-hmm. all line up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially here. It's like he's definitely got something he's he's playing with, and sometimes it's successful. I think, Tony, you mentioned at one point, the uh, he likes his close-ups. He loves his fucking close-ups. Yeah. It's I mean, for one person to move out of their close-up and the other guy to move into the close-up. They didn't pick that yeah. one up. Or, or there was like a two-shot where they were on the move, and you could see they were... They probably shot that twenty fucking times to like keep the two of them in a two a tight two shot yeah a, a, a two head shot on the move you yeah know? crazy yeah. yeah one of my favorite comments you made during the movie was uh, when they're at the me- the hospital or the like the mental ward of the hospital yeah. But how the the two oh, they're start. the two least interesting faces in the whole movie. Yeah. Well, one guy just actually had a like a looked like he just been hit in the head. But this yeah. is like a yeah. lo- this is long term like care. Shot. But it was long term care. What yeah. the fuck happened? That like, nobody was gonna help that guy. <laughs> it was that be- just I mean, happened. That I mean, and uh, and the art design is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, the one thing I really appreciated and loved was like the shocking moments. Mm. Like, the stuff like there's three moments where I kind of like. Drop my jaw a little bit. The first was just that opening on his face. Yeah, when you find out what he when he finds out that the guy killed himself, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's just yeah. like I was like, oh sh! Like yeah. that. What a great fucking opening. That was a great shot, especially because they, they just spent the last you know five ten minutes or however long just showing what a douchebag this guy is. Yeah, and no one deserved this this terrible fate more than him. Yeah, but yeah. it's in them you're like, oh, nobody. Yeah. Like, you're just a shock jock asshole. It's like, yeah. that could have been anybody. That was just another day for you. Yeah. And they established yeah. that this guy calls in almost every day, right? So, yeah. who knows if this is the day that you fucking pushed him too far. Yeah. Or said something that clicked in his brain. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but that, there's that moment. There was the the moment when uh, Williams gets attacked. And it's just like, I think you, you sit there for a second. There were but it's like, he just uh, gets slashed in the chest. Yeah. I saw that. Like close with that, and then there was the the flashback when you finally see what happened to William's wife. Right, and it's just like her brain splatters into his mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it just cuts to like her face, and it's like half gone. It's like yeah. fuck. Yeah. Like I love the the shocking grotesqueness of that wrapped inside of this whimsical mm-hmm. semi fairy tale. You know, it's funny because I had three moments picked in my mind that I loved, and the three moments were. When they started dancing in the train station. Yeah, that was great. When he was following her. When he sang, what's her name? Lydia? Lydia. When in the Chinese Lydia, restaurant. And the, and the, and they just pull, whatever that's called when you pull back. Yeah, yeah, the dolly yeah. back, yeah. The dolly back, and the, the wait staff is just kind of watching this, and it's beautifully, it's just a beautiful shot. Yeah. And moment, like, it's like... And yeah, they've closed down the restaurant. Yeah, there's a, there's a... Yeah, I this is they, a good moment. Yeah, this, did they close the, down the day the re- was a success. Yeah, I couldn't know. I didn't know if they either closed down the restaurant or it was just not busy that night. It didn't feel. It felt like there was a table to the left where 
people yeah. were just eating and not and actually not even paying attention. Yeah, 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 which is nice. And then do. the last when he's conducting the choir in the you know the and last she, scene almost. And she comes in, yeah, yeah. Like those were my three favorite moments in the film. But I was like, uh, I love that. I loved how it ended with them naked in the park. That yeah. was pretty great. <laughs> and Robin Williams saying, "You're fucking crazy. This is a cloud moving." Yeah, great. Because I guess he was cured at the end. I think he, when he woke up, when he woke up from his coma, he was. He that's was okay. mental illness in the nineties, baby. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, let's not get into the logic of some of that. Uh, but when he woke up from his coma, he said, "I had this dream," and blah blah blah. And is it okay to miss her? And I felt like uh, that, that that was, was the great. end of his. Yeah, he was back in his body again. Yeah, well, I did enjoy that moment. For people that haven't seen this movie before, that shot of the brain going into. Robin Williams' mouth is then like it's not that far away from when Jeff Bridges is scaling a building to the Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> like it is a drastic change. And very he's, quickly, and he's, and he's and he's in the whole garb and everything. Yeah, yeah. Why did he have to wear the garb? There's a scene missing. It there is a scene missing that explains him thinking right. he needed to wear that outfit. Oh. That's a terrible cat burglar outfit. It gets so goofy and so dark. And well, it's <laughs> yeah, the things that bothered me was like the weird coincidental things where it's just like, you know, the the night that he goes to steal this grail for Robin Williams' character right. just happens to be the night that this billionaire is killing himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he decides, and, yeah. and he accidentally saves his life. Yeah, but he, it's not yeah. like it's like it's the easiest thing in the world for him to do. He would have to be a shitty person. Not to do what he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, it would have been harder for him to go up to the top of the roof again and scale <laughs> yeah. back down than just walk out the front fucking right. door. Right. So like that that bothered me that it's like he's making a really easy choice here and apparently this redeems him yeah. in some way. Or, or, you know, at the top of the movie, if that fucking... Uh, and I think I've worked with this guy later in the years, but the black... Um, the landlord. There. The landlord, yeah. There. He's like, you know, Jeff Bridges is leaving and he's like, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, Mr. Exposition? Oh, oh well... Yeah. Uh, you know, his wife got shot, and here's a, and here's a whole backstory that you yeah, here's need all to know of this stuff in order for this movie to continue. Yeah, it did make sense, and then it's a, at least they give it a, a plausible reason why that guy would know and why he would live, yeah, live but there. It's, but it was still like he was Mister. Pretty Richard. handy. Yeah, this yeah. guy's just telling everyone that walks in the building. <laughs> <laughs> How many visitors have I told this story to? Oh, you know Perry, come on in. <laughs> and that scene, you know, there's so many long fucking scenes. That first scene with him and Perry in the basement had to be like 10 or 12 fucking minutes long. Yeah. There was a good wonder going there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. In a tight space, it seemed, too. I was really impressed. It seemed, but they they would have cheated the fuck out of that. Yeah, well, I don't know if they did for some of it. I think they're just letting Williams wander around, be goofy, and Bridges just kind of take it all in. For sure, but I mean, like, to, to shoot it. Yeah, there I had to, to be walls that moved and stuff because when oh, we, oh yeah, those were tight corners. It's a fucking phone booth when when they leave. Yeah, well, I feel like that's all set. <coughs> yeah, <coughs> so they would have <coughs> sort of had moving stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I felt like the movie fucking stopped for like half an hour when uh, when they decided, oh, we're gonna like pursue well, Lydia, pursue Lydia, and and she's gonna <laughs> win this contest and. We're gonna get her here. We're gonna dress him up, and we're gonna go on it. Like that felt like that felt like you could have done that quicker. There was a moment where I thought they weren't gonna get to the back to the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I genuinely thought it was gonna end with like Lydia, and that was gonna be it. Yeah. I was like, oh, they forgot about it. 
Yeah, because because really Williams' character has like two quests in a way. Well, I guess the Grail yeah. becomes his becomes Jeff Bridges' quest, even though he doesn't know it. Well, right? the Grail becomes like like I mean, it's a symbol, right? It's like well, he that I mean, thing Jeff- that thing that people need to to heal or fix their life or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, well, it's all. I mean, it's like. You know, Bridges is the Fisher King from the story right, that yeah. he's telling, where it's like he started off as a selfish man who had learned to not care about the thing he was pursuing, and then yeah. finally he would be deserving of it. Right. You know, because even when he gets yeah. his job back, it seems like he just had to make a phone call. Yeah. It was not that fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's it's a series of that kind of stuff going on in the movie that drove me nuts. And I felt, yeah. and we've also got like, you know, the two female characters in this movie, which would not survive the Bechdel test. Like, they're just there to be love interests for yeah, the guys. Yeah, yeah. And all that her, you know, Bridges' uh, girlfriend's character's name. I can't remember her character name. I don't remember. Did we hear it at one point? I'm sure. She must have said it at some point. Somebody must have said it. Maybe. I don't know. But I don't remember it. But it's just like she just literally, the whole movie, all she had to do was complain about how they're not getting married. Right. Uh, yeah. But the worst part is, is like that char- you're watching her that actor and that character. I'm like, you're stronger. You're like, there's something else mm. that you're trying to bring to this, despite yeah. the lack of what you have to work with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was bringing a lot to that character. She was great, but it was yeah. just. But unfortunately, the script only gave her yeah. so much to work with. In terms and, and, of uh, Plummer, that's her name, right? Amanda, Amanda Plummer, Plummer. Yeah, she's brilliant. She's fantastic. I was just thinking of her the other day because I was thinking of how I really want to rewatch. So I married an axe murderer. <laughs> oh yeah, I love I've that. never had that thought. Oh, I love that. I love, <laughs> that was one of those movies that I think I got on VHS as a kid, and I watched fifty okay. times. Okay. Yeah. Heed, so, move now. Yeah, I remember. I I'm sure if I watched that stuff now, I'd roll my eyes. And be like, Oof. Yeah. But at the time, I loved it. Well, then, I, then that guy became Shrek, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at it the other day too because I I bought it on Blu-ray a long time ago, and then I just. I was just going through my Blu-rays, and I was like, this is one that I haven't watched since I bought it. Like, right, yeah. Right. And it was like, why did I buy this? Yeah. And, it's, you buy? and <laughs> it's one of the only times that Mike Myers has played like a straight man. Yeah. Right. So he's not, not right. played like a big giant character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So that's what's kind of interesting about it, too. Yeah. No, same as I, I found it like for two bucks on Blu-ray in a discount bin, because I had had a VHS for forever. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, can I show this to my kids? I don't know if it's... I have to rewatch it first. I'm sure it's fine. All your kids? Well, my son has seen like the Seventh Samurai. He's seen stuff. It's like he, he'd be fine. He's, more, he's seen some things. He's seen some things. He'd, he'd be fine. <laughs> he watches things that are inappropriate. Oh my god! Uh, my I wa- know, but be careful. Oh, um, you know, I don't want to go, go too on the record. But my daughter's 15 now, and she's a pain in the ass. Uh, but she watched like uh, all five seasons of um, Orange Is the New Black. Yeah. By the time she was 12. Yeah. Not particularly appropriate. No, <laughs> no, no. It's, you know, but you've got to but know. Now she's like a fucking hardened criminal, and she's fifteen. Hilarious. <laughs> but it's like you've got to know your own kid too, right? And this is like some yeah. kids can handle, yeah. other, other kids can't yeah. handle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the sons of our kids watch, and then they'll have a friend over. Like, can we watch this? I'm like, yeah. I mean, you're fine with it. Then, I, then we get halfway through, and I'm looking at a friend, going, "Oh fuck, I made a, I made a poor choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kid's going home, and I'm gonna get a phone call later." Yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah. What else? Some other stuff bothered me. It just I think those things that really bothered me with the movie uh, was, was just how easy some things were. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not... I mean, as much as it wants to be grounded in a reality, it, none of it is grounded in any kind of reality, really. No. And it's just... And Bridges' character is just... I mean, he's his own worst enemy. It's just like he's just... 
a shitty person. He's trying to like, but he's like a, but he's like a movie comic, uh, um, over the top's the wrong word because he's a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. But the writing of the character is so like fucking one dimensional. He's just like douchebag, selfish guy, egomaniac, flippant. You know, all, but, all that shit. Like, yeah, but Bridges like, like oh, I'm not him. supposed to like him. Like, there's, yeah. there's no, but he's charismatic and he's played by Jeff Bridges. Yeah, so Bridges yeah. finds, but, but just at the top, just at the yeah. top, right? Oh, for sure, that top, just at the top. It's like, oh, this guy's an asshole. Like, it's very, yeah, it's very circled and not underlined. Much, right? it, it like a Christmas movie. Yeah. When you think about it, so this is like, you know, this comes out in 91, which means that it's, it's being, you know, written and produced at the tail end of the eighties when it's being shot. Right. And it feels like that transition from like your typical eighties movies with that douchebag wall street character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then now it's like, well, let's do something different with that character. Yeah. And let's like try to redeem him in a human way. Let's really punish him. Yeah. Uh, which is what the opening does really, really well. But then he's also just stewing in his own shit. Like, that drove me nuts when uh, he calls his agent. He's like, yeah, he's just like, come back to work. I just need... Because he was, he was going on at the beginning about how it's just like, you know, if I help this guy, maybe things will change for me. It's mm-hmm. like, you just needed to want to. Yeah. But I guess maybe that's the point, too. Yeah, he needed to get over... You know, I mean, all of his speeches at the end, uh, I, I'm not responsible for you. Uh, it's not my fault. I can't, you know, that's just him, you know, speaking what the audience couldn't possibly yeah. fucking miss at this point. No, and I'm not going to get the grail because I don't owe you anything. Yeah, they make it work because they add a comedy element to it and they, they turn it around. But it is, I think that's the one thing where, because, you know, this is a movie that's two hours and 15 minutes that mm-hmm. I think half an hour of that is speeches you don't need. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You know, and, and exposition you yeah. don't need. Even the Fisher King monologue was like, it was kind of forced too. Oh, it was yeah. that. That feels like a studio note where it's yeah. like you can't call the movie The Fisher King if you don't explain the goddamn title, and right. not everyone's going to know this goddamn story. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that feels like something that was put in. But it's also that that era too of like, you know, the '90s just starting up. So we're getting those kind of uh, indie films, and this I don't think this is an indie film. No, but it, but it's like. But but it's definitely allowing the sensibilities because because Gilliam is one of those you know auteur filmmakers sure. that you know, is you know lean towards the artistic thing more, but it's also that era of like things being overwritten and it was about big speeches right yeah yeah, yeah. you know it was that it was, is kind of like an art a commercial art house film in a way right? totally those shots and everything yeah yeah, yeah. but it definitely wants to be a commercial film first yeah yeah. It wants to be both, yeah, and it yeah. it chooses which scenes it wants to be that thing, and then changes it the next. Yeah. That's yeah. what it felt like. No, but what, it, but what eliminates that kind of is you've got a fucking cast of like at the time four four pretty big fucking movie stars, right? Yeah, well, just talented as fuck actors, yeah. and you've got Williams doing something that's like a, a, a bridge between what he normally does but also just taking some risks yeah. Yeah. that are interesting you know and that's it and that's and those are the moments i love of him in the movie but the rest of it it's just like that's just robin williams yeah yeah like like i never forget that i'm watching robin williams yeah you made a comment after we we stopped rolling before that before we first started watching the movie that i thought was interesting but i'm not a huge fan of him because i 
But no, but no, but you said uh, something specifically. Yeah, I feel specifically that he you can shows what doing, you yeah. what he's doing while he's doing it. You know, like he's and he's gro- and he's good at it. You know, like in the moments where uh, when uh, I don't know if you remember this moment, and you, you're not going to be able to see it, but after <laughs> Jeff Bridges leaves one time, and he does this sort of like like kind of like a goodbye after him or whatever. I think it's after like. A fairly obviously improvised exchange or whatever, too, uh, as he's leaving uh, downstairs for the first time. And he kind of doesn't want him to leave, I guess. And yeah. you see sort of this, like, vulnerable, uh, please come back or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I get it. You're fucking sad. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't need that shot. And I don't need, I don't know. I just don't need half of what Robin Williams does. But but in his beautiful moments, he's fucking beautiful. Like yeah. in you know when he's like, when he's like in those fucking things, trying to, trying to, uh, you know the guy says, uh, he, what does he say to him? He's like, oh you were you were a teacher, you were whatever, and he's like, nah! and he just like doesn't want to hear that, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like that's pretty fucking good acting. Yeah. But then you but then you jump right back to like. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to stay shticky because, no, because no, I legitimately think he is a talented man. Yeah. But it just, but he's just never resonated with me. Well, you know what? I think the problem is with a movie like this, when you, when you give someone, when you, when you pair like someone like him who, who can do that kind of thing yeah. uh, with someone like Gilliam, who doesn't mind things being hit over the head. Right. Then it's, it's, not always the best combination in certain moments, probably because yeah. they they kind of like jump frog over top of each other and just kind of like layer on top, or it's just like oh well, let's hit this and we'll make sure we really hit this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, the one thing that Gilliam is not, especially in, in this movie, is subtle. Yeah, right. He want he wants you to know, <laughs> and, and Robin Williams is not very subtle. Yeah, so you put those two together, where but Bridges can be definitely. So he's, you know, showing some restraint here, but then he's also having the moments where he knows what... Bridges knows what movies he's in. Yeah. Yeah. I think, right? But he also... I mean, I felt bad for him at the top of the movie because after his asshole phase, then there's like 45 minutes of his drunk phase, you know, where he has to play like... It's fucking... (laughs) Fucking doing this for fucking every scene and every shot. Yeah. It's like... Okay, yeah, you can do that. But, but it's not, it's bad drunk acting to some extent. Well, yeah. it is what it is. I mean, he's not afraid of it, which I respect. And and like you say, like he knows that he's in this movie. Like yeah. if, if he's in, if he's in, I don't know, uh, pick a fucking... Well, we were even saying about Lebowski, it's like he's the kind of actor that like, you know, the character of like the, the dude in The Big Lebowski could be a cartoon character in the wrong hands. Yeah. You know, but it's like he knows how to make it feel grounded. It's all yeah. underplayed in that movie, right? Like, yeah, it's so fucking cash and so grounded. Yeah, but in this one, he knows he knows not to do that. Yeah, and I don't know if it's direction or not, but but instinctively, you know, like, well, this is what I signed up for, and yeah, I'm going to trip over the fucking garbage cans and fall into the fucking mud and <laughs> and and fake puke seventeen fucking times in this I, movie. I love that moment where. You know, the the foot enters a frame with a cinder block on it, and then right. he's only saved by two guys that want to burn, <laughs> that want to burn him alive. Right. And I was like, I just love the concept of that idea that it's like he was gonna kill himself anyway. <laughs> but it's like, oh no, that's how you punish him by killing him in a way that right. is like not his choosing. Right. 
<laughs> well, the, the the thought I had, the thoughts I had at different points were, oh, this is talk radio, and then uh, at that moment it was like, oh, this is it's a wonderful life, and Robin Williams is going to be Clarence and oh, and right, right, him. right. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't stop thinking for the next couple of scenes after that. It is like wherever he goes, I'm like, you must reek of gasoline. <laughs> like you got doused in it, and you're still wearing your fucking coat. There's right, no right. way you didn't go home, right. and your girlfriend's not like, right. change your fucking coat, throw right. it out. And she kissed him, and he's worried about the cut. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was Michael Jeter's one line? <coughs> Michael Jeter was the, uh, the, the the other homeless guy with a big mustache. Yeah, yeah. The the yeah. singing telegram. He's great. He's fantastic. He's he, in a lot uh, of shit. He was, and then he died in like the in the early. 90s. That was sad when 90s. that one fucking line resonated. Is that what you were gonna say right now? No, I was just gonna. The, uh, well, the, I, I I was gonna mention one of his throwaway joke lines about like the. No, I'd love to like, be bleeding in horse shit here. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> what line were you? No, when he says I've been watching all my friends die. Ugh. Yeah. At the end of yeah. the eighties, which is like, you forget. I mean, you kind of forget AIDS now. Like it. It's a it's a thing of the past, and it's interesting because he's bleeding. So you're like you don't they don't really mention whether or not he's got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Bridges doesn't. It's a really nice moment for Bridges. He plays it. He just kind of looks at and he looks at the cut. He does look at his forehead. Yeah, yeah. And then he keeps holding him. He doesn't, yeah. you know, have a negative reaction to it. Yeah, but then he uh, takes that back by ignoring him later and never redeeming himself oh. from that. But well, isn't that amazing no. that, that... Well, yeah, he does. He has a moment when... Like, he, that's why he leaves that TV meeting. He goes up to find him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Right? Yeah. In particular. Because he just saw him in the street. Yeah. But he couldn't find him. So what were you saying, Tony? No, I just, I'm just reflecting and thinking about AIDS and, and that whole fucking period of time and how fucking sad and, and how much, you know, how much loss there was and stuff and how... And how that just isn't how it is now. And, you know, I haven't consciously thought of AIDS in a long time. And then you see a film like this, and it just kind of all yeah. comes right back to you in one line. I bet it's you. not even about that. It's just yeah. one fucking line in one scene. That's that, those are sometimes the best ones where it's just like a little line like that just hits you and it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, it just hits you in the right way. And it's interesting because you're right because it is such a a, a a time capsule moment because, you know, they've kind of figured out how to make you know that disease livable yeah. for for most people, which is amazing. We kind of cured a disease in our lifetime, yeah. uh, which is phenomenal, yeah. and hopefully it's one of one of many. But it's like yeah. it's, it's, I'm sure at the time, you know. If you were in like a community of people that was like more rampant with that disease than yeah. not, yeah. I'm sure it felt like this is going to go it's on. It's a for- fucking plague. It's a plague, and it's going to go on forever, and it's going to get everyone. Yeah. You know, to, so to like fast forward twenty, almost thirty years, yeah. where it's like, yeah, we, like you said, it's like it was such a thing, and now it's kind of like it feels dated. Yeah. In that way, yeah. I mean, I I say that. Respectfully, you know, no, respectfully absolutely. all the people that uh, were affected. Um, but films can be like that. Like, films that I'm in, to me, are like yearbooks. Yeah. I you bet. know, when I watch them, I like, I might watch the film, but you can't help but think of like, oh, that's the day that, uh, you know, the, the something caught on fire. That's the day, uh, you know, I was, I was working with Joey Pants in this movie. 
and asking him about Midnight Run and it was like it was one of my favorite movies and what was that like and and it was like a period where his his dad was dying and died and and it wasn't a great experience for him you know no. it's like oh yeah of course like you're a person yeah and um and when and, and and so anyway beyond like the personal it's like you know it's like we just what we just discussed is what I'm referring to it's like it's you know that's a line in a movie that's not even about AIDS that you know maybe that actor brought that to the to the to the film you know right but it's like it's a it's a comment in a film and it's and that's there now you know like that's that's page 74 on that yearbook yeah, yeah that's you interesting. know a, a film from the 90s you know the lighting the the score the everything it's like this is a bit of a this is 1991, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. This is filmmaking in 1991. Yeah, I've thought about that in my own so too. Is where I sit back and as I trying to say, yeah, you have to. I mean, I think as a director, you've got to try to forget all that stuff. Yeah. And try to forget about like what happened on that day, what happened here, because otherwise you'll never cut anything. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like it's like well, we can't lose this scene. It took half a day to shoot. Yeah, yeah. You know, or a whole day to shoot, and it's like, right. well, that's not. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Or you don't need it. You don't need to get rid yeah. of it, right? Yeah. It, uh, it felt like every scene in this movie took a long time to shoot, <laughs> <laughs> and a long time to watch. Yeah. Yeah. James Caan, after he after he was in The Godfather, he said after the first time he saw it, he went to Coppola and goes, "Where's my fucking part?" <laughs> like they filmed so much more, Which and, is crazy, and so many it, different yeah. aspects of Sonny. And at the end, it was just like hothead Sonny. Bum 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 bum, and he's actually not in the film that much. No, he's not. But you fucking remember every second he's in the film. And now, despite Cody wearing Godfather's shirt, he's only seen snippets of the movie. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm sorry. How are you even on the couch with me? <laughs> I, I told him after he watches the first one, come back and we'll do the second one on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. You know, people are so fucking brazen. But people tell me all the time, like I haven't seen the Godfather. I don't. I'm not interested in the Godfather. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Or other people, even worse, have seen it and didn't like it. Well, that's allowed. <laughs> Not in my worse. world. <laughs> no, Not no, in I know. my world. Yeah. I, I don't think that's worse than being like, oh, fuck this movie that everyone loves. <laughs> and I'm not going to watch it. I think no, that's worse than You can than be a holdout. Like, you can be a holdout. <laughs> I'm, uh, I kind of respect that. <laughs> well, I think it is. I, I think with it now, what I find, and a lot of people, it's fine, I end up doing like longer movies on this because I find people avoid them because it feels like. On this? Well, it's just, I think people feel like it's going to be homework or it's just like, oh, I got to commit. Two and a half hours yeah, yeah. or three hours. So. There was like a, a point like halfway through where I was like, I don't need to watch the rest of this movie. But I'm glad that I did watch the rest of this movie. Like, like it, when it pays off, it really does pay off. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it just takes a long fucking time to get there. No, I guess it'd be, I think you could, you could easily cut a half hour out of this movie. Uh, but I don't know if you could do it with the footage you got. I think you'd have to, it would have to be, it's a script thing where you just have to kind of like let the actors... <laughs> act the subtext without necessarily writing at all. Yeah. Do you think that this movie could have been better with a different director? Oh. Um, That's a good question. I mean, it would... It, I don't think anyone else would make it, though. Tim Burton <laughs> could make an interesting version of this. <laughs> but he's also... I mean, he's a guy that really straddles artistic and commercial fairly mm. well. And around this time, this is like Tim Burton's coming off of Batman. Yeah. 
You know, they were the first Batman, which like just kind of blew everyone's mind yeah. in terms of what it, what it was and what it did. But even like the, it could be more commercial. It doesn't necessarily need to be as artistic. Just because the script is oh, so sure. dumbed down for to sure. me, yeah, yeah. Like when you're going through, and you're, sometimes you're, sometimes it's really working when they're being like really artistic, but sometimes what the people are saying and what I'm like looking at with like these elaborate shots and everything is just two different movies to me. Right. Yeah, it feels like it's almost. And I say, again, I, I did like the movie, but it does feel like. Everyone in the movie is not trusting themselves to be as talented as they are. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. like the writer, the director, and the actors are all going, "No, I need to labor these moments. Yeah. I'm going to really because the audience isn't going to get it." And it's like, yeah. "No, we yeah. do." And if you could have just like reined it all in, it would have. Like I think what you're saying, Cody, is like it has the. It's like reading a recipe, going, "This is going to taste fucking great," yeah. Yeah. and then watching going, "Someone fucked up." Yeah. At some point yeah. through this. Or so you didn't like, need that extra put spice. Some, put some extra sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, <laughs> someone, someone did not follow the fucking yeah, recipe, yeah, yeah. and they added some yeah. shit along the way that we did not need. Yeah. That's Everybody the thing that likes cayenne. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that just pisses me off uh, more, is when it's a movie that I'm, like, enjoying, too. Mm. That, and I, I, don't hate, I don't hate the movie or anything like that. I, I liked it, but it just, like, it pisses me off when it's a movie that... Like I'm has great really moments, enjoying. yeah, and it has those great moments that you remember. But it's just like, and then they just. But I also I, like, like I pick my moments to go have cigarettes, and I know, and I could hear the, I could hear it while I was having a cigarette. But uh, is I knew like after this moment, there's going to be 20 minutes where nothing. Happens. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but it's funny, like I think my analogy I use Cody for that what you were just talking about is like it's like having that friend where like. They're kind of a shitty person, but every now and then they do something amazing, and you're just like, why can't you be like that all the time? Yeah. Why do you also have to be this sh- shitty thing yeah, yeah. that I uh, can't just be? If you can have moments like that, why why do these yeah. moments exist? Yeah. Because my wife's head got shot into my mouth. It's true. <laughs> Fuck, I was not expecting that. Like, How could you with the part of the movies that were like before it and everything, where it's just this fun rock? It's out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really out of nowhere, that scene, in terms of that. <laughs> but that's the other thing, too, and that's why it's like, I feel like Terry Gilliam is the only choice. Because someone else would not have had a brain go into their, the fucking guy's mouth. Right. Well, it would have yeah. been a lot more, it would have been more uh, less brutal than that. And I think, like, in a way, that moment, as much as you can say, oh, it's a bit over the top, it's like, no, man, if I had my wife's brain shot in yeah. my mouth... I might be go. I might go yeah. catatonic. Yeah, yeah. Now I buy it. That made me go. Yep, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get why he lost his fucking mind now because yeah. of that moment. And he's yeah. just covered in blood. It's jolting, but it's supposed to be jolting. Yeah, it yeah. has to be terrible. It can't just be like the moment where you know mm-hmm. Joker shoots Bruce Wayne's parents and they fall, and it's like ah, mm. like that's terrifying and horrible for a child. And that, you know, I'm sure that can create a vigilante in somebody. But to have something. You know the the person you love more than anyone in the world to have that happen to you, but also yeah. in such a violent and grotesque way, where even like her face was destroyed. He'd never look, and they just kissed. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it made that moment sold the whole concept of like his right. ca- catatonia. Is that the word? I think so. Yeah. Sure. It, but it, but also not 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 even not just that that catatonic coma you're talking about. 
Is that right? Yeah. But also just his whole, the whole fucking thing through the whole movie. Yeah, so I don't know who would the be whole crazy guy thing, right? a better choice in terms of this material, because I think that it's like you need someone that's willing to just be bold with it. And when he's bold, he's very bold with it. He's not worried about that. But you also, I think you, I think you needed to pair him with like a really strong editor. Mm-hmm. Or a producer who's going, trust your material, trust yourself, you don't need yeah. to like labor it. Yeah, right. Uh, I think that's just all. It, it was a, it was a movie that needed refining, uh, but it has moments of greatness. Sure. Have you seen uh, the Caveman's Valentine? No. Have you ever seen that? It's that Samuel Jackson, where he's a, a homeless. That's, that's all I know about that movie. Yeah, he's a beard, right? Yeah, he's got a big beard. He's got uh, dreads, and he's homeless person in Central Park, like living in a cave or whatever. But he witnesses like a murder, but like he's going through like uh, mental illness. There's a lot of like flashes, like the night flash and everything. And that movie reminded it kind of made me think that because the Caveman's Valentine, I think, came out in like 2001 or something like that. That sounds right. So I I was like, oh, someone watched this movie and was like, what if it was a complete thriller? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's what it kind of felt like. What's the thriller version of that? Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, Hair-wise, uh, same hair as uh, Tom Cruise and Magnolia. So it's true. I have a running theme on this podcast. So what are you going to do next you come on? Uh, I don't know. I got Last Samurai. <laughs> All I could think of was, like, you're, like, almost like the love child of Rob Williams and Jeff Because <laughs> you've got the beard. That's right. Yeah. You got, I'm just going to move the stool. If those guys did it. You would be the result for sure. It's true because you got the right beard for Williams and you got the right hair for Bridges. Blue yeah. eyes, a blue eyes. You yeah. blue eyes. I got that Robin Williams nose they both have too. Beautiful eyes. eyes, those guys. I noticed. Yeah. Well, I'm with them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a curse. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I talk about this plague all the time. <laughs> and uh, how are you, Tony? Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I mean, I'm. I guess I'm glad I saw it, but. Uh, yeah, ultimately, I'm glad I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to dive in. I mean, I own it. This is the third time I've owned the damn movie. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'll def- at some point, uh, I'll probably dive into the the extra features because I'm kind of curious just to hear more about like the ideas behind it. Yeah. Uh, How did it feel to finally watch it? This has been such a long time in the making. It's true. I've literally owned like this movie for 10 years, I think, or more <laughs> longer, probably, which is... I wish I could say that's the only movie I bought 10 years ago and I still haven't gotten around to watching. <laughs> I've got uh, condoms like that. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I don't know. It's like, I, I, again, like, I, I really, I really appreciate a lot of it. I do find, like, I've always found Gilliam to be a bit inconsistent. And I don't know if he's ever made, like, a perfect film. Right. I think 12 Monkeys is probably. Oh, yeah. I yeah. like that one. That's, that's yeah. probably my favorite. That's yeah, outside of the. Because he directed the Python ones too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, those are great, but those are also like... It's a different... How, yeah, it's a different, different thing. thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, I think 12 Monkeys is probably still my favorite Gilliam movie without having his filmography right in front of me, where I think that's a... That feels like his most complete piece, where he's kind of in command of it, and he knows what he's doing, and... Uh, yeah, it works. And it works really well. Yeah. Uh, 
But I always find there's something interesting about him, and he's at least... For sure. He's trying stuff. He's not yeah. just kind of, like, phoning it in. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's swinging hard, and sometimes you strike out, and sometimes you hit. And I think that's what you were saying, Tony, is, like, the scenes where he hit, like, he hits, he hits. Yeah. But, man, does he miss sometimes. Yeah, so I think... Uh, I'm, I'm really glad I watched it. Uh, it makes me kind of want to, like... Because there's a bunch of other Gilliam films I haven't, um, I haven't seen. Uh, and I think it is because I'm like... Oh, I don't know if I'm gonna like it, and it's gonna be an investment. But this is the one that feels like everyone saw, at least at that time. Yeah, that I never felt compelled to. And see. I think I missed it when it first came out because I was too young. I remember seeing it in the video store, but I was too young to rent it. Oh fuck you! <laughs> yeah, no, but I, but and then when I, when I got around to getting it, I just picked it up, and I just never got around to it, and I put it off for this long. But here we are, finally seeing it. <coughs> yeah, no, I'm glad I did. And uh, and it's the kind of thing that uh, I think if like my son ever goes through a phase where he wants to watch Gilliam movies, it'll I'll, I'll revisit it then. But I don't know if it's the kind of movie I'm dying to like jump into the movie itself. Right. I can't imagine anyone going through that phase. Like I gotta watch all of them. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> Maybe like a but like for Gilliam. For Gilliam, maybe it's... like a young Fear and Loathing. Well, or something. Oh yeah, Fear and Loathing. Movie. Yeah, if you like, if you watch that young, maybe then you'll be like, oh, like Gil- Gilliam, I gotta watch them all. Right. Well, I'm close though. I've probably seen like, you know, two thirds, if not three quarters, of his stuff. So right. it's like for me, it's just like I might, I can't be that far off from finishing it. What's a couple hours yeah. of my life? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna spend those hours crying anyway. I might as well be watching a Terry Gilliam film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually googling myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for coming over, guys. Yeah, thanks. Oh, uh, thanks. We've been trying to do this for two fucking years. We'll do it again. Now, now, <laughs> that, now that you know how to get here. I'll be here every week. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Let's all go. Thanks for joining us for The Fisher King. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a